go from here? I'm going to read you, if I might, part of the Christmas story. <clears throat> I thought Pastor Farrell's message last Sunday went so well with what we were um, talking um, about and what we had read the last two weeks. We had been in John 1 as well. Um, I trust you saw the parallelism, parallelism there in the whole idea of who Christ is and um, and within that, the, the gospel light, um, the fullness um, of the Godhead bodily, Jesus Christ. Um, when you see Jesus, you see God, because he is God, manifest in the flesh. Um, and, and today, I know he's going to be ministering um, over, I believe, in um, Luke 2 with... Uh, the idea of the virgin birth, just to re-cement that in our mind, the miraculous part of the uh, virgin birth. So I'm going to go over to Matthew this morning and just read you um, a portion, if I might, of the uh, of the Christmas story. And um, what I want us to focus on and just uh, look at is the whole idea of light. We're to be light. I've asked you to go home and write yourself. Um, testimonies, the brief kind, and that in the year ahead we'll look at the more lengthy ones that we can share with one another so we can get to know each other better. But just this whole idea that the, the gospel is about God and the person of God and his primary attributes are holiness and love. And he's thrice holy. And he is love. We love him because he first loved us. And um, because he's holy and because he's love, um, he, he couldn't um, let sin in his presence. And in that love, he did something about our fallen state. And we said that the gospel contains the fallen state of man, that we are depraved, that we are without hope in this present world. We are dead. We are lost in trespasses and sin. And if God doesn't rescue us, we are hopeless and we are helpless but he sent Christ, and he did send the answer. He did send a rescue, and we know that Christ is the virgin-born Son of God, God of very gods. And we declare this to people and tell them and show them from the Scripture that if they would believe in that by faith for their salvation, that it's by faith alone, through grace alone, there's no work you could ever do. It's the gift of God so that we will have nothing to boast about. You can be saved, for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that gospel can be, can be shared crisply within a testimony that's wrapped around how it worked out in your life that you came to faith. And so we should all know how to do that. Short version and long version, we're all blessed by it. We were blessed last week when Claude and Gloria and Mary, I think it was, that, that shared. And I'm going to give some of you a chance um, to share today with the time that we have. But first I want to read you a part of the Christmas story, and I want you to think about light. And I want you to see how it is that light and darkness don't mix, and how the darkness hates the light. And so I'm looking at Matthew 2, 
And now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now when you think of star, you, you know full well that that star in the blackness of night was giving light. And that, that light shined brightly and that star was different than any other star before or since. And it, it brought them, as we'll see, right to the place where Jesus was. You're familiar enough with your Bibles to know that this didn't happen at the manger, that this is sometime later, maybe a couple of years later, but it's still in Jesus' infancy, and it's still uh, an important truth for us to grasp. And the thing that I love to marvel is to see how the star is being used to bring these to Christ, that Christ might worship him, and yet who spoke that star into existence. That very baby that was laying in the manger. If you need amplification on that, then you can go to Colossians 1, 17 through 19. Jesus, the Son of God, is the creator of this, of this world. And so we... I mean, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating when you think about the um, lowering of God to take on the form of man, like it says in Philippians 2. The one who creates stars is now um, the one that the star itself is being used to bring others to him for worship. And we see that, we see that here. Um, and so they came to Jerusalem, where he was, and um, he had been born king of the Jews, and they saw a star from the east, and they have come to worship him. And Herod the king... Um, heard this, he was troubled uh, and Jerusalem with him. Troubled because he heard that they were coming to worship the newborn king. It was a, a political problem. Who, who, is this, who is this new king? In verse 4, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes and the people inquired of them where the Messiah might be born. That's really hilarious. So the spiritual experts... Um, who have the prophecies of old, have no idea that Messiah is coming or when or where or anything when the Bible told us exactly. We need to make sure we're Bible believers. We understand our Bible and we're not somebody that needs the world or just religious people to ask us those kind of questions. That's what Nicodemus was, wasn't he? Nicodemus, Nicodemus didn't, didn't know and Jesus had to tell him. Um, Interestingly enough, I'm, I'm getting way off track. So let me get back on. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written of the prophets. And then we have the prophecy that's laid out right here in verse 6, where, he, where the prophet said in Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem in Judea. Verse 7, um, Herod then wants to find out exactly what time the star appeared. Trying to figure out how, how old would this um, baby be. And so, if you look at verse 9, speaking of these magi, um, 
they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and it stood over the place where the child was. You ever seen the harvest moon? I know that's a moon, not a star. I know the moon reflects, not giving off its own light, but have you ever been amazed? Uh, you're, you're driving. Maybe you've done that, or taking a walk. You're, you're driving, and you look at the harvest moon, and my wife and I did this not too long ago. We were driving down Timberlake Road, and the moon looked like it was, it was like there was nothing else in the sky except the moon. It was just gigantic. And then you turn the corner, and all of a sudden, the moon's this big. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? And you're thinking, how, how does that happen? You know, you almost want to turn around and drive back over here where you can see where it's big again. Instead of go, I don't know if this is the way the star worked, but somehow there was a star. I mean, there are a lot of stars up there, so I don't know how the star got the king to Bethlehem. I don't know how the star got him to the house, but clearly here, God said it happened. I believe if God said it happened, that it happened. How about you? That, that star directed them right to the place where he was. We talked about prayer, purpose of prayer. Talk about our lives. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, you do for the what? The glory of God. The glory of God is, is his worship. We're, we're his servants. That, that, that service, that reasonable service, that's a spiritual service of worship. Our lives are to worship him. That's what the star was doing. The star was bringing people here to worship him. Until they came to the place and stood over where the Christ, where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. They fell to the ground and they worshipped him. Um, what a sweet thing that um, God would put this in his word to us to remind us of how he's capable, capable of using anything, stars, and how light shines in the darkness. We could go back to Isaiah. We read some of those passages the first week we were together getting ready for Christmas, how there prophet said one is going to come where the light will shine into the darkness the people dwell in darkness our world's darker today than it's ever been we're the people Jesus said I'm the light of the world and then Jesus said his kingdom people are now lights of the world and we shine that light folks by our testimony we, find, we shine our light by being different and by different I don't mean weird I don't mean being strange, but I do mean by being peculiar, as the scriptures say. Peculiar means we're not angry people, we're rejoicing people. We're not um, complaining people, we're praising people. We're, we're, we're different. We're not takers, we're givers. We're not, we're not hoarding, we're giving. We're different people. Different because the spirit of the living God lives in us and that light shines. It shines at work. I'm not the person that's always late at work. I'm the person that's early at work. I'm not the person that's always putting down the boss or all the other employees. I'm the person that's defending the boss or the other employees. I, 
Can you see what I'm getting at? I'm different by the grace of God than everybody else that's around. Not me, but the Christ that's in me, the hope for glory. And that light shines. And then that light gives us an opportunity oftentimes over a cup of coffee or whatever to share the gospel. That's what happened to me. In my testimony, which I'm not going to take time to share right now, most of you have heard it, but there was a man at work. Harry Sadick Jr. was his name. And he was different. I worked with hundreds of people, but he was different. I knew he was different. He didn't do all the things. He didn't act all the way that all the rest of us did. He was different. Do you know what I mean by that different? And he only spoke to me for less than five minutes. And it changed my life forever. That's what a testimony can do. And that's what we need to be prepared to do. First Peter, right? I think it's First Peter, is it Second Peter? Be prepared to give an answer to every man for the hope that lies in you. First Peter 3.15, I think. So um, that's what I'm looking for today. I have one volunteer today. Maybe there's others, and you just didn't know you're supposed to volunteer. But I got one, and I had one last week. And that is Doug. And Doug, I'm going to give you the same opportunity or the same choice that I did Mary, last week, you can stand there. I'll give you a mic, or you can come up here. Whichever's mine. Come up here. All right. So come on up. Don, I'm going to switch mics and give him the handheld, and he's going to share his testimony. Now? Yeah, it's on. Uh, first, I'm going to prefer this, just like Claude last week. I will probably shed a few tears saying going through this I've done this a few times and every time it works it happens but I'd like to start out with the last few weeks an attribute of God has really spoke out to me and that's been God's personality every one of us probably that has come to Christ God has spoke to you personally in his own personal way and I have a verse that I, speak, that I think really God spoke to me. It may not be what you might consider the, a gospel verse, but this is how personally God spoke to me. In Romans 10.3, it says, For Doug, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish my own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. First of all, I didn't grow up in Christian home at all. We... Yes, I went to church as a young child back in the 50s, 60s. That's what everyone did. The bus would come around. My parents would put me on the bus, and I'd go to church. Or if we happened to be at my grandma's house, my grandma would take me to church. That was my extent of God. <clears throat> but, um, and I always, I always had to be in charge of everything, just like this says. I've been going about some, trying to do my own righteousness. Um... Let's see, I'm reading my notes here. I get ahead of myself and everything. Growing up, this was one of, growing growing up this way, as one might expect, and caused me a lot of trouble. Uh, in school, in the military, and later in life, even in my marriage. Um, to fix everything, or to be in control of everything, I had to try to fix things and always be in control. After high school, I went into the military, 
And as you might expect, if you've ever been in the military, my attitude and the military's attitude really didn't get along real well. And with that being said, yes, I was discharged. We decided to part our ways, and uh, we went on from there. After my discharge, I got, I got a good job I, in uh, what I was doing, and things were going good in my life, but there was just something there that, you know, not knowing God, it just, it just gives you a different attitude on life as I look back at that. Uh, and that's not to say that Christians don't have hard times either, because I can attest to some very hard times even after I came to Christ. Well, as messed up as a kid I was, um, I thought, well, how could I fix my life? Well, one of the ways I thought I could fix my life was to get married. I thought, well, getting married, well, kind of, that should fix things, right? No, there's a saying that two rights don't make a wrong. Well, two messed up kids don't make a perfect marriage either. So anyway... Um, I knew my wife ever since eighth grade, and I think about eighth grade in high school. We went to the same school and everything, and and she saw me in high school, and we knew each other. And just like you said, you had a friend that looked different. Well, I probably was different in a different type of way, and not for the good way. Um, and how we met and how we got together after nine years, that's another story of a very long story, but anyway. So as I was going through um, this, what I didn't know about the marriage that my wife was probably just as messed up as I was, except we didn't know that. And there were some rough times early on in our marriage. Well, here again, what could I do to fix it? Well, we had a child. Doesn't kids always bring happiness into a family? Well, and two messed up adults, kids, having our first child. Well, that didn't really go so well either, and there were some pretty rough times there too. Uh, But just like as we all get older, looking back, I can now see God directing in a lot of different ways. Um, We bought our first house, and lo and behold, there was a little Baptist church about five miles down the road that had a school. And um, our first child was born, Crystal, and she was a go, go, go. She wanted to go all the time. So even at four years old, she wanted to go to school. And without, I don't know, had no idea or whatever, we sent her to that Christian school just down the road. It was convenient, easy, and she could be out of the house. Um, but as with a good Christian school, and this was a fairly good school, she would come home and ask dad about God. Well, being totally in control of trying to be totally controlling a lot of things, when you have a four-year-old coming home starting to ask you about God, you're totally out of control and really didn't know what to say. Remember uh, when I said, you know, Romans 10, 3, I was a, per, a person who had to have my way. Well, when she came home and asked me questions about God, I'm sure I gave her what I thought about God, but certainly not what God said about God. 
uh, fast forward also, when you in a new area and you visited churches and stuff, back in them days, you would soon get a knock on your door from someone from the church wanting to come and say hi, how are you doing, and all this other stuff. Well, I remember these two guys, and I probably wasn't real nice to them, and, and some very, not that I wasn't nice, but, you know, we just, okay, how are you, you can leave now, and such as this. Uh, anyway, um, what I do remember is, I don't know how long this went on for, and between my daughter and people coming to church, and I was going, we were also going to church. Um, one night, the associate pastor from the church came to our house, and we sat down, had coffee and whatever, and between, between my daughter and Pastor Ron, just like Paul did, God opened my heart and my eyes, and I finally saw my wicked way of life, and I surrendered my Christ to Christ on that day. Can't tell you when it was. I don't know the dates and stuff, but I know he did and completely changed my life forever. And to tell you, you know, in the longer things, I can tell you some marvelous ways where he stepped in and personally spoke to me and even the way that we came to Virginia from Michigan. Had a guaranteed job in Virginia, had a house back in Michigan that hadn't sold. So we decided to come here to Virginia. About two weeks later, uh, might have been a little bit longer than that, I got laid off. I was living in a campground all by myself, so my wife had to be home with the house. And here again, walking in the middle of the night, just talking to God. We both had perfect peace about coming to Virginia. It was a good fit and everything. Moved to Richmond, and here I was alone, middle, living campground. And um, anyway, how that all transpired, that's how we got here to Virginia and how God worked in my life. I was on the light and um, praise the Lord for Christian schools um, and the impact they can have. It's one of the reasons we're so committed to Christian education. Um, ourselves, thankful for um, those that visit a neighbor or somebody new that's coming to the coming to the church or moves into the to the neighborhood and just looks to see what God is doing. What's God doing in a heart? And um, see if that um, if that person is is open and ready. Um, it can change everything in a moment. I carry. I got these, I've got other time, but I bought these uh, online. Like probably a lot of you, I follow different people. I follow Alistair Begg, and uh, he's had these little stories. You can, you can buy them, they're, they're, they're really great. Most people today are very um, technical, technically literate. So the beautiful gospel story is is in here. It's, a, it's nice. It doesn't look like the standard track. You can leave it someplace or you can give it someplace. The other day I was at a um, home and so 
they sort of had a community table there, so I just set one that I set one there. Be the kind of a thing that would be pretty to pick up and read, and the, the gospel's contained in here in a very beautiful way. It's laid out, and and then there's the information on, on how you can go online and get more more information. And uh, so there's so many different ways that you can be spreading um, the good news. Um, I'm preparing to construct my annual Christmas letter. And uh, how many of you have sent some kind of a Christmas letter? Uh, I don't know, I mean, we, we do. And I, I try not to inundate, but people are interested. When I don't see them, they're interested to know how's your life, what's, what's going on with the kids and the family, but I also try to weave in there um, the grace of God and what he's, what he's doing. And um, so, so many different opportunities. And we have another couple of weeks before um, Christmas uh, is here, and pretty soon we'll be in a new year, and people's mind will be someplace else. The decorations will be down. Hearts are soft now. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of the opportunity to share the good news that Jesus has come. And he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you, Father, for your saving grace. Thank you for um, the Christ who is Christmas. Yes, Jesus is the answer. And uh, I pray you'll give us opportunities to share um, that answer um, with everyone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be careful going out and across. I know it's 